Hey y'all, you're listening to Crying and Trying, the podcast, the comprehensive guide for cultivating emotional intelligence in a fucked up world. This podcast focuses on how oppressive systems and the human experience interact and impact our mental health. As a disclaimer, I am not a licensed mental health care professional or an expert. I am just one human who has lived through the mental health experience, sharing my story and giving my advice. Please, if you or someone you know needs help, seek it out immediately by a professional. I will have hotlines, warm lines, and other support resources available in the show notes. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Crying and Trying. I'm your host, Lexi, and it is just me today for this episode. I was going through recent episodes that I've made and I had a few about episodes that I had had and that got me reflecting about where I am right now and I felt like it was also important for people to see the flip side of the mental health picture you know I am somebody who struggled heavily with my mental health I am somebody who has had very long extended episodes for a while um and I haven't been okay for a really long time this summer um as you guys know was one of the hardest summers that I've ever had to deal with um I lost my job I did not have financial security and my mental health was already struggling before that so it just got a lot worse you know I I had to go to a mental health program again um wasn't leaving my bed I wasn't eating like all all of the things that I need to do and I know I need to do to help keep me in a good headspace were not being done Um, not because, you know, I didn't want to, but because I literally did not have the energy to do it. Um, and I was talking to, I have a, someone that I talked to on the show Twitter about our depressive episodes and that person asked me, you know, how long has this episode been? And I couldn't really ascertain how long it had been. I felt like I had been in a depressive episode for honestly years. Um, and the, the severity and intensity is what was fluctuating. Um, I do feel like I've gotten out of the episode a little bit. Um, it's hard to tell, like I, like I've said in previous episodes about episodes, It's really hard. It's not like, oh, this is when it started, like here, when my symptoms start, it does kind of creep up on you. And at the same time, it kind of slowly gets better, too. Like, I I can't remember when things turned when I started feeling, quote unquote, better or like uh, more stable. But I do think it's important to show this side of it, too, because you know, I, I want to highlight when I'm struggling so people don't feel alone. And I want to highlight, um, you know, that it's okay to not be okay. But on the flip side of it, it's also okay to be okay. And if you're somebody that has struggled with your mental health, I think that this will resonate with you a lot. 
because I've been struggling for so long and things have been so hard for so long that when I started to feel better and okay and safe, it felt off. I felt like I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. I felt like I couldn't even enjoy being content and happy for a few minutes. I felt like I just had to start preparing for the worst, which would be me being severely depressed again. And for a few days, that actually made me more depressed. I was just expecting that things were going to get awful. I told myself that, you know, this wasn't going to last. And then I started to get caught up in that. But, you know, I do have the power to influence my thoughts, emotions, and feelings, as we all do. And as soon as I started having those feelings, I started talking with people close to me. I was like, you know, I feel like this is going to it's just, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. And a lot of people in my support groups and my friends were like, you know, you can't think like that. And I know, I know that, like, that is a huge hallmark of my anxiety. I am a future thinker. I am a worrier and I'm always worried about what's going to come. And by worrying about what is coming in the future, I'm not able to fully live in the present. And that was what was upsetting to me is like I was finally starting to feel okay and I couldn't even enjoy it because my brain immediately started worrying about what was coming next and worrying that this wasn't going to last and you know it's not going to last that is just a fact of life and that's something that um has helped me to process a lot of this a little bit easier is remembering and reminding myself to live in the moment because that's all we're guaranteed that's all you ever have like that is where you are is in the moment like yeah I can think about what's to come and what I'm excited for and relive good memories of the past but like what I am living right now is what matters and by worrying it away because it things are too good right now this can't be real life I'm doing myself a disservice. Um, so that's been something that's been hard. I just like periodically will get this overwhelming feeling like, oh, fuck, this this is too good to be true. I don't deserve this. Like, this is a trick. Someone is tricking me. And I just want to validate your feelings. If you struggle a lot and then you start to feel okay and you feel like this isn't right, this isn't normal... I don't know what to do with this. That's okay. And it was a really interesting moment for me because I was like, I've struggled for so long with how to cope with not feeling okay that it was really weird that I was trying to figure out how to cope with being okay. You know, I gave myself some time to decompress and to do things that were fun. And that's something too that like now that my depression is lifting a little bit and I'm doing things that and I my life is set up in a way where I feel safe and I feel fulfilled um and it's it's actually like I don't know what to do for fun when I am okay like when I am struggling watching tv all night 
is my idea of fun, my idea of relaxing because I don't have any energy. I don't have any bandwidth left to do anything else. And lately, now that I've been feeling better, I have been finding myself getting very bored. And that's weird and uncomfortable too. But, you know, I spoke to my friend, Sam, who is always my rock, who is always like my voice of reason when my brain is telling me stories um, and making things up. And she reminded me that boredom is a sign that you are not overthinking everything. And that really changed things for me because initially I was so frustrated. I was bored. I was like, I don't know what to do. Like I was getting up and cleaning and like organizing things. And that's not me. I never choose to clean if I don't have to, but it's got me realizing that, you know, I am freeing up a lot of energy and space because I'm not spending as much time worrying. I'm not spending as much time um, ruminating or fighting my feelings because that takes a lot of energy too. Like when I'm depressed, sometimes I don't want to deal with my feelings and emotions and I shove them down and it takes a lot of energy to contain those. Um, So not having to do that and not having to worry and stress all day about, um, you know, pretending to be okay has enabled me to have more energy to do the things that I want to do. And so now, you know, I'm, I've been in an okay space for a while, which is really weird because November is usually the most difficult month for me. And so, you know, that has led me to a lot of reflection as well. Like what, what is it about now that is different And really, it is my employment. At the end of the day, it is that I am not working in a job that doesn't respect me as a human. And honestly, I don't think most jobs respect people as humans um, in a capitalistic society. I do not think that that is possible. Um. However, you know, I, and I, I, I've shared this before, but I do think that I am autistic. I think this is something that I am learning about myself and it, it is helping to put a lot of things in perspective about my life and some of the struggles that I've had, um, as an adult. Um, So I'm not officially diagnosed as autistic, but I have been learning a lot. I have been listening to people who are late diagnosed autistics. I've been joining autistic communities. I've done some online assessments. Um, And I do think that I am autistic. And I think that that accounts for a lot of why I feel so much better now. Um, Something that a lot of autistics deal with is not being cut out for regular quote-unquote work Um, and that holds true for me I've only made it about two or three years in a job at a time before it becomes overwhelming for me and before it becomes too much Um, corporate world it just takes too much out of me I am not built for pretending to be 
happy and perfect and and networking and like not being able to bring your full self to work like that was something you know at my last job I thought that they respected me and I was allowed to be myself and I could emote and I could be messy and they wouldn't fault me for it however that was not the case um and you know so now I'm working part-time at Michael's um I'm not making a lot of money, which was really hard at first. And even though it is stressful now, and I am having to crowdfund to survive because my job doesn't make enough, the fact that the type of work that I'm doing and the amount of work I think is a huge part because I was being forced to work overtime and not getting paid for it at my last position, even when I was promised that that would not be expected of me. And that's draining. I also had a long commute. I also um, didn't have time for anything in my personal life that brought me joy because I would get home and I would have to go to sleep immediately at my old job. And that just like sucks the life out of me. So, you know, now I'm working at Michael's. Granted, I've only been here two months, so it may get less enjoyable over time as most things do. But I'm working at Michael's part-time, and I've also started working on building my crafting business. Like, I've for so long tried to fit into what society wants me to be, you know, go to school, go to college, get a, a job in your field, make money, have a family, be successful, the end. And that path has never really worked for me like yes I went to college and I got a degree but like wasn't really ready or interested in having a family right away um you know I didn't want to stay in my field I left engineering to become a teacher for a reason and then I decided to go back to engineering because I needed the money and when you know I'm driven by what degree I have and that's determining my future and the job that I'm in or I'm driven by how much money I need to make and that's determining my future or the job I'm in that's not going to make me happy like yes if I had a well-paying job it would help a lot and it did I had this job for like six months and it helped immensely however all other aspects of my mental health even though I was making more money declined because I didn't have time for myself. I didn't have time to do things that were fun for me. I wasn't feeling successful at my workplace, even though I was, but it was just the environment I was in just didn't lead me to feeling good about myself. Now I'm at Michael's. I make minimum wage. I make minimum wage, you know, a dollar or so more because um, Massachusetts is liberal. So I make a little bit above minimum wage. I'm only working about 30 hours a week, sometimes not, or 30 hours a paycheck, sometimes, no, yeah, 30 hours a week. So I'm sometimes working about 25 to 30 hours a week. So even though it's minimum wage, it's not a lot. However, that gives me time to feel okay. Even with only working part-time, I'm still really tired and still need my three days off to recuperate. But in those three days off, I'm not really off. I'm I'm starting to work on my uh, my crafting business. And this is something I would not 
have started doing had I not left my other job. I was cross-stitching for fun. I was knitting for fun. I was doing it for to make presents for people. It was my way of decompressing. And now, you know, you know, I'm talking to people at work all day about making crafts, about doing crafts, people that have their own small businesses that sell things that they make. And that was really appealing to me. I've also had a ton of people compliment the work that I make. Like I've been cross-stitching for years. I've been knitting for years. And I recently started wire wrapping jewelry because I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to see how this goes. Maybe I can sell some pieces. And I've gotten so much good feedback that like, this is what I'm putting a lot of my energy into. But if I didn't have a part-time job, I wouldn't have time to do this. Because now I'm spending, I mean, like, so this last week I worked uh, Tuesday through Friday. And then Saturday, I spent the whole day crafting. Sunday, I spent the whole day crafting. Monday, I spent most of the day crafting. So that's working, right? Like I'm, even though it is a hobby of mine, I'm still doing work. And being in this part-time job, even though I'm not getting the money I would like to, is enabling me to put time and energy into building my own business. And in the long run, I do think that that is going to be what works best for me. I think that being my own boss, being able to work my own hours, that is going to help me the most, having that type of control, because that's what it always comes back to. I'll have episodes, I'll have meltdowns, and I'm not going to be able to go into the office. Like, It's hard for me to be around other people sometimes, but if I am my own boss and I'm making things, like even if I'm depressed, I can usually cross stitch. That's something that doesn't take too much energy. So like, even if I am still struggling, like I do think that my crafting business is something that I will be able to do um, when I'm not well. And you know, a lot of this has just been me reevaluating what I want, what my path is, what my purpose is. And it's come as a result of a lot of reflection. You know, I don't want to be part of the capitalistic machine as much as possible. Like, as much as I love Michael's, it really breaks my heart because of the consumerism, the capitalism, the greed, the waste, like people come in and buy shit every year that they don't need and buy more shit. And it's the amount of stuff that we end up throwing away because it's slightly damaged and that like employees aren't allowed to take home. And it's just, it's gross to me. Like that bothers me a lot. So even though I like the job, there's all these parts of it that just remind me of things I don't like. The capitalism of it, like the the corporate greed involved in it, like the consume, like working Black Friday in retail was fucking miserable. It's just like, I'm not a super materialistic person, so I don't understand the need to go and shop like crazy, especially because sales are bullshit, honestly. Like, it's a marketing ploy. It's a way to make you feel like you're saving money when you're really not in most cases. So, like, you know, I do think in the end, me 
being self-sufficient and self-employed is going to be the best way to go. And that's something coming back to me being autistic is something that a lot of autistic people resonate with that like regular work is difficult for them is challenging for them. They need a lot of accommodations. We need a lot of accommodations and we do because sensory input is exhausting for us. Like we get more overwhelmed by things that the average person wouldn't, the uh, neurotypical person wouldn't. Our sensory systems are on overload and are unable to filter out unnecessary sensory things as as efficiently. And so that leads to us being more drained by a quote unquote normal activity. Um, And I mean, because already I was, (laughs) I'm getting kind of tired because I'm coming home and I'm from work and then I'm working on my crafting and even though that's fun for me it's still technically work it does take a lot of energy I'm stressing about getting a shop up and running and trying to figure that out like I've never done any of this stuff on my own so it is a little overwhelming but um and so you know I'm starting to get tired and I'm realizing I don't get paid vacation time at Michael's and that's like you know fuck like I can't even take time off without losing my money there and like if I take the time off then I'm gonna have to work in my personal business to make up for it so now it's like oh well is there even going to be a work-life balance if I'm self-employed um and so that's something too that I'm gonna have to reflect on I was speaking to Alex last night and I was like you know my hobbies are work now. Like, what if this ends up not becoming fun anymore? So like, I do think I am going to have to find something else that is a hobby and that I don't have to monetize. Um, don't get me wrong. I still really do love doing my crafting and it, it makes me feel really good. Like I've sold, um, a pendant already and I sold a cross stitch to a really good friend and, it just makes me feel so good when people enjoy the work that I make and want to purchase it and, and don't balk at the price that I sent for it. Like that makes me feel so fulfilled and accomplished. And to say like, you know, I made that with my hands, um, is really powerful and exciting for me. So even though, you know, I do think my work-life balance is going to become tricky in the, in the future, I do think this is the path that I'm going on. And that's something too, like, you know, this is kind of a stream of consciousness, but, you know, I'm thinking about, and that's the thing too, you know, like I have been feeling okay lately and I have not been doing everything that I normally need to, to feel okay. And by that, I mean, you know, going to support groups, going to therapy as regularly. I am going to therapy. It's just not as frequently as I would like. I haven't been journaling as often. I haven't been doing my meditation and my yoga. I've been saying I wanted to start working out and I haven't been working out. Um, so, you know, like there are little things that I haven't been doing. My sleep hygiene routine has kind of fallen apart. Um, so, I was really surprised that I was doing well, despite not having all of these things in place. And again, it comes back to feeling safe in general and feeling okay to be my full self and like having some room to breathe. Even though I did really love my last job and I felt important and I felt valued for a while, 
I was exhausted all the time. I had no energy left for anything. And, you know, I do like Michael's. I like being around people who are making things. It's exciting. Like I enjoy my coworkers and the job lets me come home at a reasonable time, have time for myself and not need and like all of my spare time to rest, to just be able to go back to work. So that has been really um, interesting to think about too, that, you know, when your environment is more suited for what you need, that you don't need as many coping skills, or I didn't need as many coping skills to get through the day to day. Um, And so what I am really working on right now, while I am doing well, is to try and get some of those coping skills back on track. Like I'm really Literally, after I go finish this recording, I'm going to go do a quick yoga session. Um, I'm going to start writing out a a workout schedule. Like, I think I, because I finally slept well last night. I think I figured out the trick because I wake up in the middle of the night and then, like, um, have a hard time falling back asleep. So I'm going to try it again tonight and see how it goes. But I slept well. I woke up refreshed for the first time in a long time. And you know, I've been wanting to work out in the morning before work, but I've been waking up in the middle of the night and able to fall back asleep. So I was able to get like an extra hour before I had to wake up, but then that gets rid of my workout time. So now if I can get myself to sleep through the night or able to fall back asleep, then I can start establishing my workout routine again. And I think that that will also help because it's a way to practice mindfulness, it's a way to get in touch with my body so that I'm, I'm, you know, able to feel my emotions and able to um, respond to my needs appropriately. Um, and, you know, I'm also working on some other daily routines and things that will help me to be okay when things start to get difficult again. You know, using this time when I'm well to really reflect and and make some changes so that I can prepare myself to help myself the most when I'm struggling. So, you know, honestly, this wasn't an episode that I thought I'd be doing for a while. The flip side of mental health, like when you're actually okay and in an okay spot, it's not a place that I'm often in and it's uncomfortable and it's weird, but I am really trying to embrace it. And for anyone else that's in this spot too, like it feels weird and uncomfortable and you almost have the instinct to self-sabotage because you're so used to being unhappy and uncomfortable and unsafe and upset, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that that's really beautiful that like I'm able to be at a spot where I can have that conversation with myself. Um, so I know that if you're not doing well, that's not what you want to hear. You don't want to hear, um, when people are doing okay. And you know what? That's fine. Don't listen to this episode right now. It might not be for you. It's the end of the episode. So maybe I shouldn't say that now. Um, but you know, you don't have to listen to these episodes in order. If you are not okay, listening to an episode about being okay probably isn't going to be the best thing for you. So listen to this when you do start to feel okay and, and see how it feels and see if you're in the same sort of spot or not. Um, 
So yeah, this was really kind of rambly, you know, stream of consciousness didn't have an outline, but I've been thinking about this stuff for a while and I really wanted to put an episode out on it. Um, so yeah. So what is interesting, um, I recorded this episode, this, this is, it's okay to be okay episode, um, before shit started to hit the fan so i i did this recording i think it was like tuesday or wednesday of last week from the time that you're listening to this and um then the next five days were just terrible for me so it's funny that i was like oh i feel like i'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop things are just too good to be true and then lo and behold they are um so my cat Harold who is my baby I have had him for eight years he's been with me through a big breakup through all the bad mental health shit um and he was not urinating um and he's had like problems with dehydration in the past and the last time we had a scare he just had to get some fluids and and then he was better Um, this time, however, Harold did not get better. We had brought him to the vet in October, brought up our concerns, and the vet said he thought it was a behavioral issue and he thought everything was fine and kind of dismissed us when we were concerned that he had some urinary problems. Not going to get into the whole thing here, but Long story short, last week he ended up not being able to pee. We brought him to urgent care and they gave him some fluids and some antibiotics and then sent him home. However, the next day he was worse. He was still not able to pee. Um, He wasn't acting like himself. He wasn't coming out of the closet, not even for treats or food. Um, And like his stomach felt like a fucking balloon. Um, His bladder was so full um so we ended up bringing him back to urgent care like they told us to do and then they we had to bring him to the ER um so he it turns out has feline lower urinary tract disease which is common in indoor male house cats um who are overweight and we did recently get his weight under control so that is Harold um And he'd also eaten a bunch of trash because he's like a trash goblin. So he ended up having to stay at the hospital for two nights and have a catheter in the whole time, get a bunch of meds. He's still on morphine. So like I thought my cat was dying. Um, And if we had waited another day or two, he would have died. So like I'm, I'm not even exaggerating or catastrophizing there. Like that is the truth. Um, so that happened and, you know, he's home now, he's better. We have changed his diet and some other stuff, but you know, it was still a really stressful few days. Um, and two days after he came home, so I have two fake front teeth, um, from when I was eight, I knocked them out when I was jump roping with a scarf on my grandma's kitchen floor. Um, and So I've had fake teeth since then. And I was, you know, I've always used my teeth because they're cemented and screwed into my mouth um, to like 
open things or like loosen things um, because they're not like regular teeth, like if they're stronger. And I was wrong. I was trying to loosen uh, the back of a pin and it just popped out. So I didn't have a front tooth. <laughs> and like, you know, I, I've dealt with some pretty severe infections in the past as a result of my caps falling out. Um, so I knew that it was an emergency and I had to go to the dentist immediately to get it taken care of. Um, so like, you know, never mind that I just spent six grand on my cat. Um, now I also don't have a front tooth. So like that's visually unappealing. Um, I It's also a gaping wound in my head. And um, then the dentist that I went to was terrible. Like I had extreme anxiety and I told them that and I was like, they were just not trauma informed. Like when I started crying, the dental hygienist was really rude and was like, don't stop, stop crying. You shouldn't cry. Like it's fine. And like the dentist just kind of made me feel like an idiot. Um, so that was really stressful. And, um, you know, but it's fine. And that's the thing is like, all of this happened you know, my tooth came out on this past Sunday and then I had therapy the next day. And, you know, I was talking to my therapist and I was like, well, you know, things were okay. Now they're not great. And, you know, we were talking and I was like, you know, even with all of this stuff happening, like I was only out, out, out of commission for a few days. Like if this had happened a few years ago, it would have sent me spiraling into a full on episode. And you know, this time around, that wasn't the case. Like, yes, it was a rough few days. I sobbed a lot for both instances and, um, but I'm better. And so I was talking to my therapist about that. And I was like, you know, what is, what is happening? Where is that difference coming from? And, you know, it is a result of the work that I have been doing for, in the past um, almost three years with my therapist now that I am currently seeing. And the fact that there is neuroplasticity at play, like my, I, my brain had these conditioned neural pathways of how to react in stressful situations. And, and I am changing that. Like I've been doing mindfulness and journaling and therapy and reflecting and trying to improve my, you know, the basics, my health and sleep and nutrition. Um, and it is making a fucking difference. Like I'm bouncing back faster and like, you know, I'm able, my, we, we talk about my window of tolerance. And so like when you're really traumatized and really burdened and you don't feel safe, your window of tolerance is very, very small, right? Like any tiny inconvenience happens and then you are off like set off you're done um but now like these little things are happening and yes i am feeling big feelings and strong emotions and that's just how i'm always going to be um but i'm letting myself feel them and for a long long time i was shoving them to the side i was pushing them down i was trying to pretend they weren't there because dealing with them and acknowledging the hurt that I was feeling and the the lack of safety that I was feeling was too much. And now my brain is able to do that. Like I am allowing myself and giving myself permission to feel. And then once the feelings are done, they pass. And like, 
it's a weird thing to not be continually ruminating on this. Like, I'm still worried about my teeth. I'm still worried about my cat, but it's not taking over my whole life and all of my focus. So I don't know. It was just really interesting. Like, you know, I I recorded this episode and then I was like, this stuff happened. And in the moment I was like, well, now I can't even use that episode because I'm not okay. And it's like, why did I, I shouldn't have said that because I spoke it into the universe and all this stuff. But like, that is so cool to see. Like when I take a step back and see it. And, you know, I hope that if you're listening to this and you're not there and you're still feeling unsafe and um, really reactive and triggered by a lot of things in your life, like, I hope this gives you a little bit of hope that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And like, if you keep at it and you keep doing all this hard work, like you will see change. It's just going to take a while. You got to be patient. You got to stick to it. And you got to remember that you are worth it and your happiness and your peace is worth it. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being here. Um, I am going to do just a plug for myself really quick at the end, if you've made it this far. Um, so I, as I have mentioned, am crowdfunding right now to survive because I don't want to push myself to the point of another mental breakdown just because I'm picking up more hours or I'm doing a job that um, is not the right fit because it pays a little bit more. Um, So like I said, I am working on getting my small business up and running. I'm also looking to going back to school so that that, uh, I could put my student loans on pause um, and that would help financially, but would also add some other stress. So In the meantime, while I am protecting my mental health and um, staying at my current job, I am crowdfunding. So I do have a cash app, I have a Venmo, and I have a GoFundMe that are all shared on my personal pages. I'm also, like I said, selling some cross-stitch items, some knit items, and some jewelry. I am taking commissions for cross-stitch pieces. I can show you some patterns um, that I've done in the past if you're interested. Um, So if you don't want to just donate money, I totally understand, but want a product, like I can make something for you. I also started a Buy Me a Coffee um, where I'm going to be doing some blog posts for the show um, and just another little place that you can support the show. You can also just donate to the show if you'd rather do that. Um, I don't like begging for money. I really, really hate it. It's, it sucks, but it is what's been helping me get by. So if, um, you are able to donate or purchase any of my, uh, my handmade items, I would greatly appreciate it. If you can't donate, um, sharing any of the links or posts that I have about crowdfunding would be greatly appreciated. Um, and you know, by donating to this fundraiser, you guys um, would enable me or whoever does to continue taking care of myself um, and working towards a stable future where, you know, I am in control of uh, my my business and my happiness um, and I don't have to be a slave to the capitalistic machine. Um So that plug is over. Ew, gross. I hate saying it out loud, but you know, I need help. And um, if you guys can help me, I will gladly take it. So 
you know, with that, we're going to keep trying to get through the Menti Bs or preparing for the Menti Bs and uh, crying in those shubbies. Until next time, friends. another episode you can find the show on social media on instagram and twitter at crying underscore trying underscore pod and on facebook at crying and trying pod you can also find me personally on instagram and twitter at l-e-x-g-o-n-g-i-v-i-t-2-y-a underscore if you'd like to email the show feel free to send us questions, comments, episode suggestions, and any other feedback you want us to see to cryingandtryingpod at gmail.com. The best way for a small independent podcast like us to grow is for our listeners like you to share your favorite episodes with your friends. You can also rate, leave a review, and follow the show on your preferred streaming platform. And engaging in any of our social media posts will always help us be more visible. If you would like to support the show with a small one-time or monthly donation, you can do so through our podcast page on Anchor or through the Buy Me a Coffee page where blog posts related to the show are posted. All donations, no matter how small, go right back into the show so I can continue bringing you high-quality episodes. I am a proud member of the PodPros community and utilize PodMatch to connect with many amazing guests. This podcast is researched, recorded, produced, and edited by me, Lexi Hamsmith, using Anchor by Spotify. Thanks for listening.